space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, <laughs> to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, Sir Admiral Elliot. I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Sorry, wrong prisoners. <laughs> and Dr. Squee. <laughs> Dragon! Take two hands. And we're making a brief stop back at the Dominion Wall before Lower Decks comes out. Uh, but before we do that, tiny, tiny bit of Trek news, which is... <laughs> is that an ironic thing? It's a tiny bit of Trek news. Tiny bit of Trek news. <laughs> that's, that's very appropriate. I like it. Because it's just going to be a short little segment. Just short. Very <laughs> short. Um, so Paramount Plus are doing Star Trek Day. And one of the announcements is that in terms of new content, we're getting very short treks, which are in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the animated series. And it's going to be... By the sound of it, they're just going to be a few minutes long, these little micro-episodes, which they've said are not canon. Um, all animated. So if it's on screen, it's canon. Well, they have said these are not. And to be honest, I think this is like them dipping the toe in, saying that none of the short treks are necessarily canon, because let's be honest, we're not going to wrap up what we're going on in Calypso. That's no. just yeah. not happening. And <laughs> there was that animated one where it reshowed the bits from Space Seed, but the Enterprise looked like the Disco Prize. And that, mm, no, I don't. I think we've established <laughs> that's not the case now. So I won't be surprised if the 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 canonicity of short treks in general is going to be open to debate. Anyway, maybe they'll They're be like. They're becoming little vignettes of what could be. Yeah, maybe they'll be a bit like the novels, like the canon until we decide they're not. And yeah, other just going to say elsewhere series, it's parallel universe. I was going to say, yeah, that, that's it. Just at the beginning, they're going to have have like a little uh, credit saying it's like in another universe, definitely not our own one. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah let's say the Falcon timeline. Why not? We can mess about with that. Yeah, yeah, we can. I go do with like that. the idea. I do like the look of it, the the idea that you've got uh, characters which were only in the original animated series meeting up with some guys from Lower Decks. Like, just stuff like that is going to be just so much fun. Yeah, I think that's fun. And, yeah, bring back Arax and Rez and, yeah, just uh, yeah. have a bit of a laugh and, with and, it. And Prodigy. Prodigy, bring back Prodigy. Well, yeah. this yeah. is the thing. While we're celebrating animation... Or Star Trek animation, yeah. Why let's not cancel one of our new animated shows and let's actually show our new animated show to us? They've even yeah. got some of the uh, <laughs> prodigy characters in the artwork for the the celebration of animation, and it's like, yeah, okay. So can I watch that on Star Trek Day? Absolutely not. No. Well I mean, maybe it's building up to them going to make an announcement on Star Trek Day about Prodigy and showing the last series, but I... I doubt it. Well, exactly, because my feeling is that when they initially announced that they were going to try and find another buyer, everyone was so hopeful, there was so much buzz around it. Then all the stuff with Robert Batrium came out, 
like just around that time and suddenly the buzz died down very quickly mm. I, I wonder if he's basically damned the second series coming out which i think it looked so much like it was going to for a while there and, and no then some idea more, i mean i think one of the other streaming services would be mad not to pick it up just to get I do. just to get the star trek brand on there and netflix yeah. would make sense because uh, as of speaking Star Trek is still on Netflix UK. It um, is. I'm sure that it it won't be whenever whatever period of time they paid for it for. Evening Emma. Evening Emma. Emma. And yeah, so I'm sure that you know whatever period they paid for it for, Paramount won't renew it after that. But as of right now, if they got it, they'd have almost as much Star Trek as Paramount does, which is a little bit silly, but there we go. I, 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 my, you see, I'm wondering if it's not a case of that no one wants to buy it. Maybe there was conversations, but Star Trek's thinking, right, we're not going to continue on with this anyway. We're not going to have it one of our products. Robert Batrum has become a little bit toxic now with some of his comments and everything. Do we mm. want to sell it, like make a short buck at the harm of Star Trek's legacy? You know, it's... Just the more you do, do just poochie Chicote. Just, just put a little thing up that said Chicote <laughs> died on the other planet. You just draw another uh, a different animated character and call that Chicote and kill him off in the first episode. Yeah, that, no. it's not like they've never done that before with a character. No, in, I've got a better one. <laughs> I've got a better one. It even links back to Star Trek in sort of tangentially. You do a Christopher Plummer and like where they re-recorded all of Kevin Spacey's lines for oh, one of yeah. his films. And it became one of uh, his last <laughs> f- f- films for... Um, Christopher uh, Plummer, yeah. And didn't he get an award? He got an award for it, yeah. So do you, you just re-record all of Chicote's line with a new, better actor, like who's actually Indian, right? like Native American, pardon me. Uh, yeah, let's, let's go even authentic. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Ooh. That'd be, be risque. Uh, they- that is actually getting a Native American yeah, to Native controversial. American not, not be advised <laughs> by a Jewish gentleman. <laughs> there has been another bit of uh, Star Trek news. It was actually a couple of weeks ago, was this. Oh, so And they've so. announced... Yeah, they've announced on um, for Star Trek Day, I think it's in three cinemas or something like that in America, they're going to show the first four episodes of uh, Lower Decks which I think is an awful idea if the don't, like, they're either going to do the same as Strange New Worlds or we're going to get loads dropped on us at once. And I like me, I like me Star Trek Weekly. I don't want to watch Star Trek like a binge watch series. I like time to watch it a few times, sit with you lads, chat about it. I agree. Yeah. So you either got to drop loads on it on us or we're going to have the problem that several hundred people maybe a thousand have seen the first four episodes and who's going to be the first one to ruin it on social media for us all yeah it's very yeah. true i mean we know that we're getting a double episode next week which we are is, getting a double episode it's fine well i say next week tomorrow it, it should be available yeah. so which has, which as you just pointed out with the name of the first episode actually does us a favor because we've covered what we'd have probably gone with already we have so yeah and so what we'll do next week we'll cover the double episode and then the following week weeks 
we'll hopefully go. we'll only have one episode. Yeah, we'll go back to what our we usually do. A perfect partners. That's yeah. what we're going to try for. But before we get there, then, we've got this brief stop back at the Dominion War. And we're looking at the Magnificent Ferengi in a, a change to the schedule programming because Elliot quite rightly pointed out that when I drew up the list, I'd missed this one. Because I always forget this is a Dominion War episode. Yeah. But, but you're right, it absolutely is. It shows uh, us the fate of Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Plus, and it, it shows us the Ferengi wanting to be heroes. And it also is the perfect pairing this way because you get the kind of fun Ferengi one. I think this is one of the best, it, the one, it, one of the Ferengi ones which works the best. And then you've got the serious drama of yeah. the two-person duet and, kind of like... But it's also very strange because you've got two prisoner episodes, which is why I did my, my funny mm, intro at the start. Yeah, that's a fair point. And re- uh, you know, up until now, this hasn't happened too often except when we've covered multi-part episodes, but these two were aired back-to-back. It's going to happen a lot more, specifically (laughs) when we get up to season seven, where we're missing about three episodes. But, but yeah, so these two... And you're right, there is a a major sort of tonal shift between these two. Which I really dug. And I've got to say, like, I mean, I was saying that I think this is the one of the Ferengi episodes which works the best because for me, when the Ferengis work at their best, they are hilariously funny. We can have a good good time with them, but in this one and in a few others, they feel like a living kind of breathing mm. uh, species. I believe this species exists. Like yeah. they may have some stuff which is crazy to us, but all cultures do. Our culture will be crazy to other people. However, sometimes they play Ferengis for such a laugh that it's like, I just wouldn't believe that that could exist. Like that could yeah. never be sustainable. And so this is just so well done to make it as funny as hell, but still make it feel like a real thing. It's definitely a step up from the Moogie and the Nagus romance episode, all the quack sex change episodes. You know, those are... It's basically built around one funny premise as opposed to a plot. This is one of the... If one of the, if not the strongest, just Ferengi episodes. Yes, very good. Yeah, and and it show it does show some really good stuff about them as well. It's like, and the moment when they decide to so not to jump ahead too much, but when they decide to negotiate because that's how they deal with stuff. Yeah, they're not dealing yeah. like Klingons or warriors. They're dealing like Ferengi, and it just celebrates the culture really well of Ferengi. That you know you, you feel kind of proud of the species you've been watching all this time. This is also uh, bringing back um, all established Ferengi apart from Zach. Yeah. And he, it, when it's when this episode was actually written, he was meant to be the one who was kidnapped. Ah, right. But uh, he had scheduling conflicts. Ah, so, so they, they switched it, it out to movie. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that's another reason why it works, <laughs> is that because we have different Ferengis and they don't all behave exactly the same like we've got they've all got different motivations exactly we've got distinct ones the only one we're missing is it'd have been good if we'd have had a TNG one who does the the devious fingers thing that that would have been fun if we'd have had one with a a laser whip or whatever it was why not make one of the the the, uh, warrior guy like the warrior Ferengi why not make him a marauder you even had one episode where um Quark had a Marauder Mo action figure. Yeah. I just thought I was so, like, why not make that a cast of uh, of Ferengi who are warriors who 
get to profit through fighting and stuff and through kind of like even if they do it in the most weaselly fashion ever that would have been so much cool i really wish we'd seen more of this like you get bit of that with this character i think probably at the time it was because they were they felt like they had a lot of damage control to do from the early tng ferengi and they probably did this, didn't, is, also, this did, is also a very cheap episode yeah nearly, oh, it's it's done on an existing set and it's nearly all stock footage of uh, of the ships at the end yeah I just think it's really clever when they manage to incorporate as opposed to, like, you know, just scrap the TNG ones. Like, there was some fun stuff you could have had. Yeah, no, I think think if that was, if they did something like this now, they probably would do that. Uh, But I think at the time it was just we need to double Every species will be one thing and one thing only, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's like I say, it's also a budget thing. You've got to remember they're making 26 episodes of, television and in season season six you get into some very expensive episodes again mm-hmm. i don't and think Marauder got, would be too expensive to knock together though you'd be surprised how, how expensive it is to build these models it's it, oh no no the model sorry the physicality of the like and the guy dressed as it you don't have to have oh, the ship be one of right them. sorry it's when you yeah. said Marauder, i thought you meant the ship Ah, yeah, sorry, no, the, the marauders <laughs> were they because they're marauder right. actually bigger, which is what they right because that's why they use the the shuttle. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that it, makes it's sense. All, yeah. It's all repeated footage. There's oh, no, I was just thinking the look, just another... There's only one yeah. scene that's actually doctored Ooh. this. Tell and us, it's, then. Uh, it's the first time you see the shuttle when it's stopped at DS9 in the shuttle bay. Yeah. And you actually see the uh, navigation lights flashing, and it's the only time that the navigation lights flash on a Devour class in Star Trek. Right. And it's and that's that's repeated footage of a shuttle of views previously uh, mirrored around, but they've actually added the effect of the flashing lights. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. You see, that's are we seeing that? Is this one of the ones that you watched a lot for reference for your? I've watched I've watched quite a lot of this. Yeah, James, I feel like we need a blow up for when like a. Uh... Well, Elliot ship facts just to blow up across the screen. When are we talking about going. when I built oh, no. this? Yes, when you <laughs> built that. Yeah. So is that yeah. is that how you knew to do the lights because they did that's them why in this did episode? All, that's why. That's why I chose to do all the lights static. Right. <laughs> because every time you see it flying anywhere, the lights are flashing. It's literally uh, only this one time. Right. So the plot then, for what it is, Moogie's been kidnapped by the Dominion and Quark has to rescue her, so he puts together his team, uh, which obviously it's a bit of a riff on The Magnificent Seven, but we don't get seven of them, we only get six Ferengi. Interestingly, um, Stephen Burr and the other writers of the episode say that it has no... not a reference to uh, the Magnificent Seven or the uh, Seventh Samurai, what? and that wasn't in the minds at all when they wrote the episode. Well, okay, and the, go plot, some and the plot of this episode doesn't follow the Magnificent. Well, the the plot Seven doesn't, plot but the title very much. <laughs> yeah, does. yes, I I completely agree with you 
All I'm telling you is what the writers, etc., said about this. Well, they named it very badly then. They could have come up with... I I think they might have smoked something before they came up with the title then and kind of forgotten. Because that's just too much of a coincidence. And it does. Is it seven including Moogie? It could be seven including Moogie. Seven including seven including Keevan because it's seven of them who go off on the shuttle. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, but then he's not Ferengi. But then he's part of the rescue mission. Yeah, it was magnificent Ferengi. I feel like you have to have seven Ferengi involved. But it's Moogie. Well, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we don't have seven. If that was never intentional whatsoever, it's just. uh, It's, it's just, just that the Ferengi that we do see happen to be magnificent. It's nothing yeah. to do with yeah, anything else. Yeah, it was else. Sort of like celebrating how magnificent the Ferengi can be. Do, do you know, there, there are a few DS9 episodes where I feel like they didn't... Uh, they were quite good at reusing like characters which were beloved, episodes which did really well. Mm-hmm. But the few which I feel like could have done with a sequel, Aman Bashir, if that was done earlier, you could have snuck in another one of those. And definitely this one. Like, at the yeah. end, he even, like, the, the uh, warrior for right. guy even says, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, if you, like, this is the worst run, most despicable, awful mission I've ever been on. If you do this again, make sure you find me. It just feels like it needed another one it, of these. Yeah, just, yeah it would have been good. good. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder maybe if it one of them things they thought about and didn't quite find the right story, maybe, because it like, would have been fun. Like, I love this episode. I think this is one of... I, this is one of those episodes that I thoroughly enjoy every time I watch it. It's such good fun. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, this episode is just a filler episode. Yeah, it is. Like, we're calling it part of the Dominion War, but it doesn't actually drive the the story on in any way, shape, or form. The rest of the story, everything else that happens, could happen no problem without this episode occurring. This is purely oh. filler. Although uh, you are totally right, but I think it might be the first mention of the Breen in the Dominion War because it's it's a very throwaway line. But yeah. the uh, Iggy Popwater says like, uh, "Oh, they're almost as bad as the Breen," and it's the first time they mention it. It's just ah. but when you know what's happening in the future, you're like, "Well, oh, yeah. we, we we saw a Breen oh. back in the um, in Purgatory's Shadow." Right, so yeah. we started to tease the Breen already, Man, but this is another you, one of those. Little. Yeah, this is sort of like the. The Vought was suggesting that they're having sort of talks or whatever with the negotiations. If he's talking now, I'm finding them annoying to to negotiate. They're a going concern. That's the concern. I I think they put in stuff like this for when you watch it back later. (laughs) Like it feels like these little Easter eggs for the fact that Breen are coming in. They just pepper them in very slightly in a few episodes it's just a nice little uh, bit of business yeah I enjoy the scene where they're crawling through the tubes and they end up in Cisco's office which is a funny scene in and of itself and it kind of feels like it's there just to get Avery Brooks's paycheck for the week because that is it his was- sole appearance in this episode yeah. also but- I love the fact that it, it, it seems right that he would just go it's like yeah, he's taking the wrong test. Like, this is about the eighth quark thing he's uh, had to deal uh, with today. Yeah. And he's just, I'm just going to let this one go. I, I can't be fine. I may be breaking 20 Starfleet regulations yeah. by letting this go. Risk security and station, but it's not worth yeah. it. There's so many security violations that they could just walk into my office in this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're not tripped a single alarm. But I just can't be asked dealing with this. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first just go away. Minutes. I got the yeah. station back. I'm having five minutes. Yeah. 
do whatever shenanigans you're doing. Just don't just, break the station. What I do like is like Quark and Rom are obviously discussing this quite seriously. What's happened to Ruge, the mother? So the tubes that the best way they can avoid anyone is to go through the Jeffrey's tube of the station. And it's, <laughs> and like, and it's like obviously something that they do regularly. <laughs> it's not an unusual thing. No, exactly. And, and is this the bit where, where Rum starts giving away that he, he's breaking into loads of quark systems and everything? Mm. It's like, oh, I know this one because it's the same as the safe that you use. Uh, yeah. I go in there. I mean, there was just a one time when I had to get in there just to put some profits away. And I enjoy the way they sort of recruit everyone. Like they, they start with Nog, and Nog's not keen. But then they sort of appeal almost to his vanity. Like you can be the, the strategic operations staff. officer. Yep, yeah, you appeal to his Starfleet side. Yeah, you would be in charge of five buttons. Five buttons. Would some of these be illuminated? It's like that yeah. thing with yeah. the rim. It is. And I think Rom completely knows he's being played, but still wants to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, everyone yeah. knows what's happening. Yeah. Here. Rom, Rom's actually quite a shrewd Ferengi. He's got he as, as Nog. We've seen that previously. So he knows what he's being played, but he's allowing himself to be played because he really wants to do this. And, yeah. and he's sort of like, he's got that, right, I'm being a good Starfleet officer, but it's also Moogie, and I want to do this, but I've got to say no. Oh, you're giving me a way in now. <laughs> and there's a nice little bit where he goes to back out and Quark's just <coughs> out and he goes like, no, this isn't a game. You're coming along with yeah. me, saving me life. It's nice. There's, like, again, it's it's that rounded kind of thing that you're getting from this episode. And the way they get Cousin Gala's a little bit weird because oh, Quark's paid you fine. Like, what on a Federation <laughs> bit? So the... The Federation who don't have money are still charging you bail to get other species out of jail. This all sounds a bit iffy to me. Well, it's sort of like, it might be in a Federation prison, but who would the Federation holding him for? Ah, good point, yeah. And he's maybe had to pay the bill, the the fine to whichever government who maybe does still use money. Ah, I was thinking maybe the Frankie... I'm just trying to think why, because... It's like you say, the Federation don't use money, but it's yeah. fine. I'm sort of along the same lines, but I've kind of got a theory that it's like, but it's for the Ferengi. So basically there's a kind of part of the treaty which they do to do business for Ferengi and for the Ferengi to operate within Federation <coughs> space is that they've got to have deals like this in place. Like it's like, okay, you can hold our people, but you've got to find them and we want a cut of it. Like <laughs> yeah. that's all part, because that's part of their jail yeah. system is yeah. fines and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you jail our people, there's got to be a fine that we can pay to get them out. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense, and that's how the Federation <laughs> keeps them happy, yeah. Actually, that does make a lot of sense. I, I like that. Yeah, it does. Like they then... have another stipulation that they might, must let some blood in a ritual before they're released. And then... No, they've got all these different yeah. uh, custody agreements. Loopholes. And then the Federation can channel the money back into, like, Basically, give it it to people who live on Deep Space Nine. Go, look, we've had another Ferengi prisoner released, so you lot can have a crack at the Dabo tables now, so... I I don't like how Cousin Galen gets out and he goes, what do I have to do for this? Because it's really really dodgy. Because, like, let's remember, he um, gave Quark um, Quark's treasure, Mm -hmm. which was uh, rigged to blow up. (laughs) He did. Then Quark... uh, Sort of did him in his arms deal. That's why he, he's run out of money. Yeah. 
So, there's, there's obviously, what do you want for this? Why are you doing this? Are you going to kill me? Is that what you yeah. <laughs> fight? And it's like, no, you've got to earn some Latin. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, Elliot, the, we are on a bit of a money-saving thing at the minute because we decide to go to Empok Nor, which, exactly. as we know, oh. is the Deep Space Nine set with not you, as good lighting. And you're you still getting brunt. Oh, yeah, sorry, Brunt. Jeffrey Coombs turns up because, of course, he does. <laughs> yeah, and again, nicely justified. Like, all he has to do is buy it. And it kind of, like, it also builds up. Like, again, I was thinking about how this works societally. So it's not for us it would be to do with making up when you do something wrong, making up to that person. To them, it's transactional. It's mm. like, if you can include me in better business than the business you took from me, then we can do business again. We're, we're partners. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, it yeah. brings such richness to society. Yeah. And even the thing about like saving Moogie, once they justified <laughs> it around profit, then they're free to do the thing they actually want to do. But like in forensic society, yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> it's it's Spock's stat like you know Sarek yeah. saying in uh, 2009 Star Trek like I didn't marry her because it was a logical thing to do I married her because I loved her but he had to have that logical reason for society for Vulcan to accept him yeah and this is that with Rengi it's just yeah. it's so yeah. Done. Um, like yeah. I do like it's like Brunt's walking off like I'll just fly off in my shuttle and let just go <laughs> shuttle you safe Rosie's knife at yeah no, and it's I'll, really I'll good. You, any tear of the week, I don't care. Like any version of Star Trek, give me the same ship, slightly differently lit, lit on a slightly different angle. Call it something else, and then just put a load of uh, junk around the set to, to suggest it's been in the wars. And I'm ha- I'm so happy yeah. to yeah. seeing the alternate reality version of the Enterprise in, with the um, Yamato Bay, and in this case with Impact uh, Nor. Where this is the uh, this is also the fourth interior that we see of the Ferengi shuttle. Oh, is it? So different yeah. every time. Yeah, it's because we see it in TNG uh, where they go through the wormhole. <coughs> we see it in uh, <laughs> Little Green Men, mm-hmm. and Little Green Men has two seats at the front and one for the captain at the back. This just has uh, like six blue stools, You're which right. conveniently has six blue stools for them to sit on. <laughs> and then he, when they come back in Voyager from the wormhole, they, they've somehow managed to refit the interior of the shuttle. Well, of course they have. <laughs> so, Kivan then. When we last saw Kivan, that was in a really serious, heavy episode where he basically decided to have his own men killed and... Yeah, to save his own life. And then it's like, right, we'll bring him back, but we'll put him in a comedy episode. And all I can think is, it's one of them where they've just enjoyed that actor and they're like, instead of it being a random Volta prisoner, let's use somebody we've got that we liked. Well, it also makes sense to bring back an established Volta because we haven't seen any of us being taken. No, I agree. It's just the 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 tonal shift between the two episodes that he appears in I find yeah. really interesting. I do like that it's called back here that um, Major Kira does the sort of legwork to convince Starfleet yeah. to let them have Kevin because Quark saved her. Yes. Squee is still muted. 
it is so tightly woven together from stuff they've already laid down. Like they kind of thought of all of this as they were writing all that oh. stuff, but it just fits so nicely. And Keevan, I just think, yeah, he was such a dick in the last episode, but they just give him a couple of lines where it's just, just to exemplify what a dick he truly is. It's like, yeah. uh, well, I hope you've got your affairs in order. Why is that? Because they're going to kill us all once they get hold of us. <laughs> you know, he's just, he's, he's just having so much fun, this guy. I just want to go back. There's another part of loving this. When when Grumpfest comes in and, he, mm. and he's sort of like, what team have you put together? And he goes, so you've got a child, a moron, a psychopath and a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Which is we fair. We can work out we all. It is fair. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so they get to Empoknor, and there's a bit where Kivan tries to escape, but they catch him again, which is just padding there's, out time, there's nice, really. There's but. a nice part when they first get there, and like, obviously, Nog's in charge because he's been put in charge of the operation, mm-hmm. right? Well, so he goes, right, we're off to base camp, which is the infirmary. He's there, right, double match, and no one moves, and Quark goes, two strips of latinum to the first one who gets there. Yes. And they all yeah. often looks there, you don't bribe your soldiers, you do it the Ferengi. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's like you were saying, Squee, it is just a really good way of looking at the culture and making it work within this context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that plays into the fact that they all end up arguing about the cut, um, which... Well, only because you're on there, so exactly. it's Well, and, and even then, even then Quark turns it into such a joyful moment of, like, he knows he's just lost part of the deal, but he's just having... He's really enjoying the moment, and he's, like, going, he's like, yeah, so 50 bars of platinum split between us evenly. Let's go, we're Ferengi! Like, he's really... Yeah. It's not just... Minus, minus my finder's thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he still gets at a bigger cup than Still gets at it, yeah. I'd <laughs> like to think cool. that it's actually 100, and it's Quark's told Rom it's 50, <laughs> and told Rom to tell the yeah. others that it's 20. It's 20. And so, Quark's still made up, yeah, it's still getting 50 on top of yeah, it. I'd like got a, a 50 but he's, he's get, getting a 10, 10 as his finders for exactly him. I'd like to think that that's the case that wouldn't surprise me and then it all ends up with Kivan getting killed and they probably should have called this episode Weekend at Empok Noor because we do go well, <laughs> full on Weekend at Bernie's with him which yeah. is very funny and you want to do a Weekend at Bernie's on Star Trek oh thank you I, I, I'm here yeah or if we want to keep it within the Trek universe, this is not a million miles away from Spock's brain. No, it's and not. And it's more fun than there. Spock's brain, but the concept well, is well, not. Well, Spock's brain was a very serious scientific episode. Of course it was. Oh, yeah. This is good fun. It was so well, serious, I... they, they used it as the first episode of season three. <laughs> I hate to, to jump ahead as well, but it's like also the bit where it's like they've got uh, their remote control and we just start hitting the wall. Yeah. I'm sure everyone else needs still hitting the wall. It's like, can you stop them doing that now? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And they're leaving there right at the end of the episode, yeah. don't they? He's still just bashing into Even the wall. Even still there. Yeah. And, and just a little shout out to, yeah, as I say, Iggy Pop in Star Trek. Yeah. Like how cool is that? And it's just, he's... It's playing a cool, very laconic, very Iggy Pop style border. Well, it's just nicely done. Well, uh, Stephen Burr's actually said that, like, they'd wanted Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop had wanted to do Star Trek. They wanted Iggy Pop to do Star Trek. 
because who wouldn't? Yeah. And it was actually meant to be, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was meant to be an earlier episode and he had scheduling conflicts. And this was literally where they could get him. And Stephen Burr's really upset because with him having the water makeup on it, restricts his movement. And Iggy Pop's uh, very much in his movement. So Mm. they took that out. But he's still absolutely nails being a vault. Yeah, he's great. And that's what I was going to say as well. He's like, when you bring in your your big guest stars, he's obviously not being too precious about it and going, yeah, I'll, I'll do vault makeup. I'll have <laughs> many hours that takes to apply yeah. that. You know, he's, he's not being a prima donna about it. Like, he, I, I imagine yeah. this is sort of like, to be a vaulter, you're talking... Getting at five o'clock in the morning, sit in the makeup chair for five hours, and then start shooting for the full day. I'd imagine have, so. Yeah. Then have uh, two or three hours at the end to remove the makeup. Yeah. And if it's over several days, you're repeating that for as long as necessary. Yeah. He... And I'm going to guess this was a boring day, Fergie, compared to his usual week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a really good, fun episode. A bit of a Ferengi romp, which is in stark contrast to the the second I one do, we're going to look at. I, but oh, before I we do, like, anything else? I was else. upset. Yeah, I was just upset. I love Kevin's last words when he gets shot. Mm. I hate Ferengi. And then yeah. Quark plays it with, um, I can't remember the name of Iggy, uh, <laughs> Iggy Pop's character, Jäger Norse. Yeah, I think Jäger or something, yeah. Yeah. And he, and he goes, I hate, he goes, don't say it, we know you hate Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, I, I think it's also nice that Quack goes, we're going to give him to the Federation and no one argues about it. And he goes, and he, because he's a, straight away before anyone gets chance, he goes, they gave us a Volta, we're giving yeah. a Volta back. And again, that's transactional. That's probably why yeah. there is no argument for it. Yeah. It's like, we, we got one for free, so... We're giving one back. That was the only thing. It's like, I bet he got a load of flack off the other Fringy on the way back home. It's like, what, you trust nothing for the replacement, water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. That could have been the sequel episode, just the arguments they have on the show, yeah. but... <laughs> no, really good, fun episode. So, Waltz then... About yeah, as this is a bit serious. <laughs> yeah, about as much of a tonal shift as you're going to get. But it's... I remember when this one first came out, this was, for me, such a highly anticipated episode because obviously we'd had the retaking the station arc and we'd not seen Ducat since, which within the story makes sense because, yeah, he's not going to be hanging around yeah. the station and we find out he's been away in prison and, um, you know, in effectively a mental health facility and so i remember just really looking forward to seeing where he's at and what they're going to do with him and i think this might be one of the cat's best ever episodes oh, he, he plays such a... I, i've got so to ask about this you, and i am flicking forward but you know when the first sat in the cave around the fire mm. Was that really heavily pixelated on your TV? Uh, no, don't think so. Right, it, it's very much just my TV settings because it looked absolutely awful. Because the power was the firing on it, fire was just really knackering the picture. It looked so grainy and old. Sometimes you do get but, that yeah, with the fire, yeah. yeah but yeah. 
like I said, like I was watching it on Paramount Plus, and I thought this is awful. So I switched to Netflix to watch it. Yeah, it's just the same, and it was just the same. So, and I just wondered if you were seeing the, as bad as I was because it was really. It didn't jump awful. out at me, but I'll I'll go back and and rewatch it to see. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes you do get that, like when there's a fire effect. Like to be fair, my TV. <laughs> what 10 12 years old now it is a flat screen but it's one of the older yeah but the episodes like <laughs> a lot older than yeah, that but, so no, but i mean why mine mine might not be as good with uh, picking up the colors in the same way possibly i don't know but um the, the thing which i found really great about this episode there's two things one is you're saying about the other episode it's sort of like even though it's such a great episode it doesn't really move anything along this one, I feel like you could jump straight from this episode to the finale for the Ducat um, mm. Cisco of it all. And this is the... You feel like their relationship, is, as from the end, comes from here. Like, this uh, is a natural yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this, uh, is, this is where that ending <clears throat> starts. Because I, like, I, I can't even think of many episodes with them up until the end between now and then. No, I there isn't. Like, it's... you get a lot of era, a lot of other ones. Yeah. This is the last time they've really <laughs> set up where they're going. And, like, you can... He even says about, like, getting revenge on, on Beja. We don't mention Pyrite at this stage, but it's obviously setting up ready for the I'm going to admit, all of them are going to die. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what's really nice is... Like, Avery Brooks is really, like, you know, I know we, we have our fun with him, like we do Shatner and Nicolas Cage and many other actors like that. But the truth is, the reason why they can go off the rails so badly is because they swing for the fence every time. Whereas this one, I felt, because um, Ducat, um, Almeida... Uh, Alamo. What's his name? Alamo. Because Alamo is going so large with his and has to because of the insanity he's playing... You get Avery Brooks kind of going a bit smaller and a bit more. Yeah, he does. Of his performance. Yeah. He still has his moments, but he's kind of like he's letting him have the stage. But he's yeah. so present. His acting is so cutting, and it's just it's such a nice pair up between them. You don't feel like they're being competitive, apart from you know when the scene really calls for it. Most of the time, it's like it's Cisco. How can I play him so he doesn't try and kill me? Basically, while I'm in a weakened state. Yeah, that's it. Cisco's the the aware one of the two of them and it's a very sort of delicate tightrope that he's walking and you can see that he he sort of tries different approaches at different times like at first it's well i'm not i'm not gonna <clears throat> i'm not gonna play up to him whatsoever then he tries i'm just gonna appease him i'm gonna agree with everything he says i'm even gonna play along with his delusions that are going on and then he switches to antagonistic again at the end when he's kind of lost his rag a bit. It's it's a really, really good character I, study I, for how they interact with each other. It's probably a Cisco's kind of like, <coughs> feel like it's his Starfleet uh, psychological training kicking in until, like you say, it's just, I, I can't stand this guy anymore. Like, I've tried to understand him. I try to pity him. I do feel sorry for him with his daughter, but fucking hell, you're a space Nazi. There's only so yeah. much I can take. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to call you my friend because we're not friends. I'm not oh. going to say I respect you because I don't respect you because you're a fucking tyrant. Yeah. Fucking murdering and this people. is it. This is this <laughs> thing that we've had of Descartes so many times is that he wants that acknowledgement and we've seen that he's wanted this acknowledgement from Bejar, but now 
he wants this acknowledgement from Cisco, and I think there's sort of two prongs to that. I think part of it is because Cisco is the emissary of Bajor. And I think there's a bit of jealousy from Decat there that like, well, hang on, I was an alien who came to Bajor and they didn't make me the emissary and yeah. I did all these wonderful things for them and this guy just turns up and they do that. No, I, it's think like, it's a- I tell you what's interesting when you listen to this though, and Decat honestly does think, feel he's a hero, that he he was doing good things for Bajor and he explains mm. and he goes... They were killing millions. Mm. I reduced it to thousands. I stopped children having to work in the mines. I, I introduced breaks. There was a terrorist attack when I first came on board and they wanted to wipe out villages. I selected 200 suspected, as he calls them terrorists, it's Bajoran militia, and killed an exact number of them in retribution. But I actually... And he thinks he's the hero. He, he ha- is responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths. But he thinks he's the hero because he was odd. He could have been doing millions and millions. Yeah. And he, he, he's he, definitely, had- he, he definitely believes everything he's saying. There's not one yeah. thing he says. Like, he believes this goes <laughs> his friend. I think he's psychologically rewritten it with his... Like, he already had this delusion that everyone respected him. He believed the Bajorans would one day realise what a hero Mm. really was to them. And I think he believes the same as Cisco. But I think the mental breaks just allowed him to push that one further. Like, before this, I think he knew that they weren't friends. He's just like, oh, of course... Of course, the, the, the wormhole aliens, they respect him because they see him as like me as being equals and we're such great yeah. guys. They love us both. Yeah. You know, I think they, it's just allowed him that extra little yeah. license to believe all the press like I've... was tending towards believing. Like, we know he's having mental, a, a major mental breakdown in this episode. But that taken out of it, he believes what he's saying. Yeah, about, yeah, um, he, he believed it all before then, yeah. Yeah. I've just made the connection there that, you know, obviously there's lots of comparisons to Hitler, but in Descartes' mind, he thinks he's Oscar Schindler, that he's, yes. he's worked behind the lines and done yeah. as much as he can. And what yeah. Descartes doesn't get is that, no, he didn't. You know, what, what he's done <laughs> effectively amounts to a bit of public relations in the grand scheme of things, but he thinks he, he that thinks it's good enough. Really, he, he honestly thinks he is responsible for saving millions of Bajorans mm. because he didn't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. the, the, insane, the insane logic of like, and it's, it's even the dialogue which uh, his mind has Kira saying. It's totally believable because you believe he'd think it. But it's like, she's going like a, uh, oh, do you think me showing pity would have done any better? Oh, no, it, it would have only made us bolder. You know, and she's yeah. talking in this very flowery ways about like, uh, <clears throat> oh, we were thankful. We were ungrateful children. And you know, just and talking in the way exactly how he does. It is yeah. interesting, the three sort of visions that he summons and what they represent to him. Um, like, so I was thinking about this before the episode. And I was thinking, like, do they rec- do they represent like see no see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, or are they representative of the Greek muses or something like that? And I think it's much much simpler than that. I think it's they they stand in for exactly who they appear to be, but they're there for the express purpose of 
his ego. Yeah, his ego. It's justifying it. He's got he's got the bureaucracy represented by Wayun, and no one at any point says you did something wrong. I mean, apart from Kira. <laughs> Um, but effectively, they're all just like Elliot says, buttering his ego up. Like you know, it... no. You see, I I saw as sorry, mate. No, no, go ahead. No, no, just what what they represented. I I felt like it was uh, Kira being the uh, he he. She is the person he deals with most. Who's a Bajoran, so that represents the Bajoran mm. people who were his kind of like people who's uh, very generously looking after you've got uh demar representing his literally his people yeah. and where he comes from and the respect of his homeland and then you've got the vorta um um way uh, Wayne representing like the dominion and the people who he's working for who really respect him as a tactical leader and so it's all the people he has to deal with represented and then cisco represents the person who he wants to be an equal with like it's all part of that puzzle yeah that's um, i agree with you i think but i think it's all there they don't provide an honest reflection of him they they provide this imagined the, the, version within his like, his own mind like even even <clears throat> his Kira one like he can't he can't get over the fact that Kira won't accept what he'd done mm. so Kira is like he's Kira is almost like his guilty conscience yeah like you know you see cartoons the angel and the devil on your scroll yeah and they're both having arguments about what you should and shouldn't do and she's almost that his subconscious saying no you were wrong but he's arguing against it. Yeah, that's it. He's, picture, he's, he's almost <laughs> picturing, this is what Kira says, but she's always wrong. It's always yeah, like, shuts up about it. Yeah. It's almost like the small bit of sanity he's got left is going, it's like, well, we better make it look like a bit of a fight with them for their respect, but they'll give it very quickly, realising how stupid and wrong they are. It's almost <laughs> so it's like, like yeah. when you what do they call it like a lucid dream where you're almost awake enough to kind of control your dream but you don't have full say over it and so Descartes like oh make Kira say nice things make Kira he doesn't quite do it and he's getting more and more annoyed by it It, and I think it's like that weird thing of like sometimes a dream will just go with it uh, but a lot of times our mind will Mm. try and justify something in a dream so it's like after my dad died, I kind of like imagined like there was a mistake or something. It wasn't like it was just yeah. there. It was a mistake that a hospital had made because my mind needed to logic it somehow. It's almost like that's what he's doing. He's not trying, cutting straight to them all agreeing with him. It's like someone's going to let them do a little bit of a logical. Yeah, it's like he's he's got there. to he's got to work for it a little bit, but ultimately they're all going to come round and say how wonderful he is. And then the the problem with that is that you've got Cisco, who's actually real Cisco, and oh. <laughs> even when he does play along with it, the Kira vision I, I calls him on I, it. I, like I think now the visitor plays a great part in this. Yes, because it's it is Major Kira, but she's also not played Major Kira mm. in it, and she's being very exaggerated. And that like the laughing and stuff, and when she's when uh, Cisco goes to him, let's just ignore she's there, sits down next to Cisco and she nods <laughs> her head and goes, yeah. yeah, it's very good. Uh, the <laughs> only thing I will say about the laughing though is I've called this out with <laughs> other episodes where Kira laughs. I 
I, oh, I think ridiculous. This I, is the worst. I think Nana Visitor is a brilliant actor. I just don't think laughing is her strongest. I, I even say in Star Trek, in Star Trek in general, they're over the top laughing at things. Okay, the original series we love because that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Perfect. That's what you want for the original series. However, for anyone on audio, we paused as if at the end of the episode. Yeah. But, uh, it, however, it just gets ludicrous when in DS9 they're still doing it. She gets to a point where she doubles over almost to being on the ground with laughter and back up again. It's like nothing was but, that funny. No. no, but that. But the thing is that she's. That's his psyche mocking him. Oh, okay, I'll give you that. Well. That's, it is. <laughs> that's what I mean. This isn't actually Kira. This is his psyche. Oh, no, I know. I just think it was things. over the top. So, but, but when but she's think, real Kira laughing, it's like oh. this as well. So. Yeah. But yeah, in I, this one, I think this is really, I think this is sort of like really good. It's like he's in a psyche mocking himself. Mm. Fair enough. Because that was what I was going to say. It was interesting from what James was saying, what you're saying now, that um, it's the part of his, uh, the um, uh, regular part of his awareness, if you will, is trying to say it's like, uh, yes, Cisco, you're finally believing what I'm saying. And it's actually his subconscious, which is going, no, of course I'm mocking you. Of course he doesn't Yeah, this. exactly. But, but it's, it's, know, that's not his conscious mind. That's, he knows you're emerging tyrants. Yeah, but where does he put that voice? He puts it into his uh, subconscious, like, uh, like, oh, this is just me doubting myself. This isn't real. Yeah. What's real is the fact that he believes in me, really. That's what was yeah. happening underneath this the whole time. He's so deluded. Even yeah. that voice gets put to his... And that's it. What he thinks in his insane subconscious. And oh yeah right like he wouldn't believe in how great I that's am. it because in his mind he's like well he can't be taking the piss because obviously he thinks that because that's the truth you know it's it just, that it, it, it's just too it's too shy too embarrassed to admit how much he respects me and how, how great he thinks yeah. him and that we and that we equals and he and he can't but and he's scared to say it, but we're here on our own and I've just got to convince him that no, I'm not going to tell anyone after, afterwards. He can tell me the truth that he, he thinks I'm, well, the, I'm like the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> All these people coming to him and, and falling to his feet in uh, celebration of him. It's like when the Federation throughout all of this is um, Bajor and everyone else uh, wishing for a happy ending that the, uh, the Dominion go away, that they managed to beat them somehow against all the odds. This is the happy ending that the cut pictures like all of the... <laughs> The uh, Dominion will realise that we're worthy members, and yeah. in fact, like, they will celebrate us as free people on Kardashian who who just associate with the water. And the Federation will fall off face, and Cisco will re- respect us, and the Bajorans will finally admit that we were right all along. Like this is this yeah. happy ending. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not quite going to work out that way for him. But... <laughs> but again, doesn't it feel like? What I was saying about the Fringy, it feels like this is a really rounded, real version of Kardashian. Oh. Like, even though you may not agree oh. with them morally, it's nothing to do with agreeing with him morally. It's no. really well acted of building up. This is what this this species is actually like. Well, there's no... He, he 100% believes what he is saying. He's... He, He's one hundred percent convinced. He he was great. He's yeah. the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's um it's it's it, there's a lot of parallels I feel like with the modern uh, Russian war fitting in their belief in what, who they are and what they are as a country, and even people over there like we found in the eighties who perhaps want to modernize and everything who who can't at the moment. I, it might be partly because I've just listened to uh, Andrew Garrick's wonderful Stitch in Time novel, which explores what happens to. I've read it. I've not listened. Kardashian to culture yet, and afterwards. So where he goes on about Kardashian culture afterwards and it expands the last episodes where they talk about if there is going to be new Kardashian, it has to be different to this. Yeah. You feel like this, this is so important to get into that bit. You know? well, it shows this isn't a sustainable world. What's really interesting about that is, uh, like, yeah, obviously with the Nazis, who, who are atypical of what Germany has been over history, but it's what can happen when the far right takes power gets control yeah. of how these things can happen. And in Stitching Time, Garrett talks about how Kardashian had been all about art at one point. Mm. And it's the military who'd risen up and got control of things. And it changed it all. <clears throat> and I think even though Descartes is an extreme example of that military thing, his flaw is that he doesn't have self-awareness, whereas other Cardassian characters do uh, to some extent, and that's how they come out of it. But that is his his biggest flaw, is that he just can't wrap his head around it. Well, no, his biggest flaw is that he is bought into the propaganda 100%. He... 100% 100% believes things. Well, that's it, yeah, but he, he can't take a step back and say, okay, this is what I want other people to believe, even though I know the truth, but he he doesn't know the truth. His version of the truth is 100% the propaganda. And well, the that, other thing is that's the, what makes him so dangerous. Yeah, and I think it's like the, the what we've learned about Kardashian culture is it's so thought out, so methodical, they are 100 steps ahead of you at any given time. They've strategized and planned everything to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Garrett being the kind of perfect example of that. <clears throat> and it's like, Jakarta's managed to get where he is through some luck, through some cunning and clever. Yeah. But essentially, he hasn't got that same patience that they're famed for. And he gets he, his ego gets in the way of that, which, like, again, the Kardashian thing is you don't have an ego. Kardashian has an ego. You're yeah. in the service of Kardashian's ego, yeah. not of your own. And he never learned that lesson, and that's always to his uh, great expense in any battle situation. Because he always works in the same way. He's got a hero complex. He has. He always has been a hero. Look at when he he got the um, bird of prey. Mm. He wanted to be a hero. He wanted to be a freedom fighter suddenly, because that's all he could do. And he wanted to be the hero. He always wants to be the hero of everything. He does. And that's why he thinks he was the hero of Bajor. But he doesn't want to admit that the reason for that is purely self-aggrandizing. What what he wants to do is him to be the hero, but also fit it into the narrative of Cardassia so he can feel like he's in some way benevolent. Yeah, he never met any of these flaws to himself. As far as he's concerned, he is following the Cardassia way. Now, I'll tell you what he does know... And I was impressed with this. He knows that the spiky bits on forks are called tines. And it, yeah. it's like, not many people know that. And even <laughs> less now, people use that word. But now, straight away, the cat's like, oh, one of the tines is missing. The, 
I'm okay with this because I think this is the Universal Translator. Ah. And that's why it's come out with the proper word for it. Yeah, he said, oh, one of the spiky bits is missing in Cardassian and the Universal Translator's got obviously means the time. Plus, for for all his flaws, he, when Tikat doesn't know what the prongs of a fork are called, he takes the time to figure it out. There you go, that's it. He's just, he's sophisticated and that's why we love him. Um... I like the just to sort of go to there's not really a B plot, but um Isn't a B plot in either of these episodes. No, there isn't. Uh on or the, a baby. On the Defiant, the, there is quite a nice beaming up fake out where yeah. you, you get the oh we've activated the transmitter, we've picked up a distress signal and then you get And oh, you've got this heat you've got the heated argument going on with the cat and Cisco that could boil over any minute. Yeah. And it's, are they going to get beamed out just in time? And then, no, somebody else. And it's worth knowing also, I did like the bit around the Divine Bridge where they've got the uh, message from Kira blatantly telling them to, to yeah. get back and say a lot of time. <clears throat> and they were giving it's the like, oh, I don't think I heard what he said. No, I don't think I heard what he said. she said either. And then it's like, yeah, I think we all know what he said. No, she said that's because we know what she said and we know what her orders were before we came out here. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's nice. I, I thought it was just so nicely done. It's like you've got the uh, the boys trying to... Um, and, do and right they, were trying to, they were trying to do right thing by Cisco. Yeah. And, and the doctor is out of order when he... He had to go at Worf. I don't find it honourable leaving the captain. Yeah, that's but, a bit But much. Worf's also going, hold on. Worf is 100% in the right. He's being given orders, mm-hmm. but he's also being told there's 30,000 Federation soldiers, combat soldiers, in an unarmed uh, transport yeah. coming out of <laughs> the Badlands who need a proper escort. So he's looking at, right, one man, yeah, he's my friend, I respect him, but one man versus 30,000, mm-hmm. the maths are very easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And one of the few times they don't just have Wolf going, it's like, well, I will kill you where I, you stand for saying, he just goes, yeah, well, you can leave my bridge now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very good. <laughs> that's, and that's and nice. it, doesn't, it doesn't dismiss him from the bridge, he goes, Doctor, you have my permission to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 a very backhanded way of going, and I would fucking oh, advise it right now. It yeah, is good. He said it without saying it. It's it's but more it, badass than that. It gives him his own agency. It's a it's a way of saying I I'm giving you the opportunity now to admit that you're in the wrong and piss off, rather than ordering him off. Um, right, talking about Cisco, he does underplay it for the majority of the episode, as we've said. However. When he finally <laughs> decides to call Ducat on it all, and Ducat says, he, "He wants his ham and eggs." Yeah, and Ducat <laughs> saying, "Well, I I help them all," and Cisco just goes, "Evidence." <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an Avery Brooks episode no. if he didn't get to be up a little bit. Come on, we yeah, want that in there somewhere. I enjoyed <laughs> that very much. Evidence. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we sort of get towards the end of the episode then, and this is where Ducat goes completely over the edge and just admits, finally, possibly for the first time to himself, that he just wants to kill everybody, and that's what he's yeah. going to do now. 
Well, this is like if, <laughs> it's almost um, it's almost like uh, little kids in it. Mm. It's this. It's like right. If I can't have that, I'm spitting my dummy out. And yeah, that's it. And no, so, and, 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 and actually, speaking of little kids, it goes back to the uh, last episode as well when the Ferengi run down the corridor when they paid and, and the, if, sorry not when they paid when they do they go to the thing and then back to the infirmary and they're running one way and the other yeah that just ran me little kids with the charge and yes and like then I had a mate I had a mate at school who used to that all the time you know when you're in juniors and that you take turns who gets picked to be captain at football one of the teams for yeah. football. And he had this mate, uh, Mark Thompson in juniors. Really good mate. <laughs> but he has no interest in sports, so you, he'd pick all his mates for his side, so he wasn't interested in who could pick yeah, football. Yeah. So, he'd be, right, the ball's there, he'd be, Chad! <laughs> <laughs> run behind him and Bob there charge and we'd all run behind him is he we Manny used to get beaten. we used to get beaten badly at football I'm going to say he's probably managing a, a Premier League side now that sounds very solid tactic it was just a great it was a great tactic with football the ball's there so it was charge so everyone run at him yeah um King back to the action on the planet. Sorry, I did, just really big no, no. things. It reminded me so much of that. I I just did like the fact that also in in Descartes suddenly going from um, <coughs> wanting everyone to love him to wanting fear and to just like you will pay like in vengeance. It got mm. very biblical, really. Like it's that whole yeah. thing of like God doesn't love you. You best fear him. Like when you don't have this loving God, you've got a vengeful God, and that's what he's. Well, they're setting him up as the devil, essentially. Yes, but it's effectively. Like the same dynamic of I will try right. and win you with my love, and if I can't do that, fuck around and find out. Yeah, well, it's very much uh, setting up what happens with the power race, it is. but you don't realise exactly. what he's going to do. Yeah, the devil. <laughs> yeah. Um, I say, oh, and it's always nice to see Planet Hell getting good airing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's and really weird because like, if you look anywhere into the distance, it's so obviously a soundstage. It is. But the, the oh. lighting and the atmosphere they create, until I look into the background because my eye gets caught by something, I feel so caught in it. It's, it's so atmospherically done, even if it's not yeah. quite a realistic. It's great. It's and really, the, the, the great job for, they do with so little. Yeah, they go for the weather effects and stuff in this bit as well to kind of disguise it a bit. And it... I'd, it also emphasises the drama that you've got this crazy storm going on and everything. And the reveal of the shuttle as well shows that this was just a complete ego thing for Ducati. Right, he he right could have escaped, the, yes. right but no. Right from the very start where he rescued him, he's decided to set down on this hell planet. He just wants Cisco to, to speak I to him. You. Yeah, it's almost like right. um, Misery, well, where she keeps the author locked up because she wants yeah. him to write the book. You know, it's... It, it's that Mr. Thing. Penguin faces to the West! Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that goes back to the very first uh, mental conversation the cat has with himself when it's with uh, Wayu. And he goes, what's your plan here? When are you going to kill him? Mm. And the whole thing is he wants him to admit that the friends and that he respects him. 
That's the thing, I don't think necessarily he does want to kill him. I think he wants to best him in battle and he wants Cisco to surrender to well, him and say, you were well, the better man. Well, that shows it at the end. Yeah. What happens at the end when, like, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, with the, uh, how things sort of worked on the sets, but Cisco gets into the show. Mm-hmm. And it's darkness, and he press, he reaches for a pad, and suddenly realizes it's all working, so he starts shutting the door. And the door gets to about that high. Yeah. And then Mark Alamo jumps in, but the door's only that high. Yeah. And then it, ta- and then it takes about two hours to, to move all the way to shut. <laughs> well, it has to do, because he's got to chuck Cisco back out again. So. <laughs> well, that's it. it. It's like... Well, door does fully shut when he opens the game. Yeah, true, you're right. To open. But I, I don't know if you actually watch it when Cisco's in on his own, when he gets to the shuttle, when he thinks he's got away, the door's literally like that. Yeah. And then, he, and then it cuts to Mark Alamo jumping in, and the door's back like that. Because obviously he couldn't jump in through that gap. <laughs> yeah, and this is also one of my favourite Decat things, is when Decat's hair gets messy. Oh. And they only do it when he's at his most <laughs> sort of emotional, but you get this yeah. great wig flapping about. Oh. <laughs> you know, at least it makes sense with like uh, some of the other species. The one which drives me nuts is whenever they've got Odo, his, uh, his, his hat to hold his form for too long, his skin's grey, like his, they get his hair coming out in small strands. Surely yeah. that's more difficult for them to do. It drives me nuts. You think why, so, why? yeah. Um, and then we wrap it up and... Yeah, we get another bit of Avery Brooks-ism right at the end of the episode where he so he says, yep, yeah, uh, you know, Decat's pure evil, which is fair enough, but then he says, and I will fear no evil. And, <laughs> and like, surely after this, they're laughing about that on the bridge. They'll be like, so what did he say? <laughs> oh, and then he said, I will fear no evil. evil. <laughs> It's like I, I in, love it. uh, this though, this goes to what you were saying. The cat wants to better him in battles because the cat has beaten him at this stage on the planet, mm-hmm. and and it, even Cisco has gone finish, do it, finish me. Yeah, and he doesn't. He gets in the shuttle and leaves him on the planet. But it's the cat that lets the defiant know exactly. That's it. Because just marooning on that planet isn't enough. He needs to actually, actually and he know, already knows he's massively physically injured. He can't fight me properly. I need to defeat this man properly. Yeah, that's it. He I, needs an adversary. I would also throw out there that it's it's such a journey which Cisco does go on through this episode because as well as an, as an actor Avery Brooks doing a wonderful job and yeah it is really lovely he gets to go full Avery at the end but it's like <laughs> you've got the journey of like it's almost getting Cisco where he needs to be for the finale because to begin with if you go straight from him seeing Ducat with his daughter getting killed that's a bit jarring that makes him yeah. sort of seem possibly the bad guy in some terms at least whereas this you get him so guilt ridden like 
it's like, you know, you get people often talking about a scenario where it's like, if you could go back and kill Hitler as a baby, well, what if Hitler had done everything he'd done and then you'd witnessed his best friend killing his daughter and then you've got to talk to him afterwards? Mm. What messed up mental uh, gymna- gymnastics? Yeah, you know he's Hitler, but still, you've witnessed someone's daughter being killed in front of them. Or, okay, maybe he wasn't there, but you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. he is where those events which happened as a result yeah. of a battle he was a part of. He was the captain the, in the prevailing team on that war to then deal with that it's such complex emotionality so the fact that he kind of gets to play that and gets to play it quiet to begin with and then realize there's something going on and he's piecing everything together while still trying to placate this mental this guy is going through some mental trauma of all sorts and he's so dangerous and yeah so by the end of it yeah he has got to a point where he's ready to kill him again but i think this was such a and so tight when it comes to the storytelling you're going to tell in the future because they must know by now they're in oh yeah they know where they're going but having said that there are still some more twists and nuances to the cat's character from here yeah yeah um the he isn't just uh sort of over-the-top panto villain for the rest of the series. What what he does no, next this, is really fair, interesting. This is, this is probably yeah. the only over-the-top panto villain episode <laughs> of the cat. Yeah, he dials it back again from here, which I'm really yeah. looking forward to talking uh, about as well. So. Yeah, it's yeah. a really great... Really clever what we do. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is a, this is him being out and out unstable. This is mm-hmm. him going from the, I say, the person who feels like he needs to win everyone's love to uh, he'll settle for everyone's fear. That's his, the journey he's going on here, and that's all those conflicting things going on here, trying to just last ditch effort to make everyone love him in his head before he gives that up. So after this, he's at least set on one course, you know. Whereas here, he's trying to go between two. Like once we get into. Yeah. His end game of uh, merging with the pirates. This is the start of his end yeah. game. He's decided, yeah. right, fuck you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill all Bajorans. I'm going to fuck the religion. <laughs> Go on, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally what's doing it. Yeah. This is the start of that journey of him. And we will watch him do it, but um, we will be having a break for Lower Decks first. Oh, and do do you know what? It links back, because that's what Cisco was thinking about when uh, Quark came in and he goes, well, I haven't got time for this now, because being part one how alien he didn't even know it he was already playing forward the adventure we're gonna it. happen on this planet Ooh, absolutely. so he can in his head strategize and as we will find out gold the cat literally does fuck Bejar's religion Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, indeed. I, I, I didn't realise how on the nose this prophecy Spoilers was. Spoilers for season seven, but yes, quite literally, will do. On that note, then, um, we'll be back next week to cover the first two episodes of Lower Decks. In the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on whatever it's called. RetrekPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. We're on all the different socials. Elliot's got Retrek Model Studios on YouTube, where Where he's finished the Ferengi Shuttle. And I'm back working on the uh, fishing Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea submarine, which is great at the moment for reasons that you could find out when you watch my videos. Oh, is is that type of fish a stingray? 
No, that's the uh, voice at the bottom of this. Stingray. I got it. Stingray. I'm still waiting for Stingray to be made. I'm waiting on Key Cream Cosmic Scale models. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's on its way. There's rumours it's on its way. So when you paint it, will it be a yellow submarine? It will be a yellow submarine. (laughs) There we go. And, yeah, my YouTube, I've got Kingy's Toy Box where I unbox some toys and play with them. Um, still need to do that Castle Grayskull Lego, but it traumatised me, so... Um, we'll get there, we'll get there. Dr. Squee, what have we got going on with the Dr. Squee show? Yes, well, uh, due to me still being unboxing all this equipment, which I just had set up in time for tonight, uh, next week is going to be our first show back. We're going to play the interview, which I did a few weeks back, uh, with my friend Laura Duff, who's a uh, female football coach. It got delayed for all sorts of reasons previously, so it's going to be slightly less topical than it was during the uh, the female World Cup. However, still a wonderful story to hear about uh, English uh, um, female football getting the notoriety it deserves, or British, I should say. Uh, and we'll be back on the radio, and, well, and we'll have some fair, interviews lined up. Women's soon. football is still in the uh, news massively because yeah. the uh, manager of the Spain football team has been sacked. Yesterday. Yeah, unfortunately, not for the reasons we'd hope. But yeah, we do no. cover a little bit about the way it's seen and stuff. So that's yeah, excellent. Uh, we didn't have that to talk about at the time, thankfully. But we, yeah. we talk about a bit about the way the game's seen. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Goodbye. Drag off LLAP.